Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to revisiting the classic 90s series, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Belle. Belle! Man, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I, I was extremely tired all day, and then I got on here and, and uh, started reading up on the episode summary, and and I got my second wind. I good, man. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. You get all, uh, you, you, did you inject something to, to get yourself up and going, get the, uh, you know, aggression going, get that energy up, go crazy. Well, it's funny, you know, you know I, I tried this morning and it didn't work. And then I remembered it has to be ionized. Ah, and that's, that's, that's it. That's the key for everything. Yeah. So if like I Hulk out and start breaking stuff and you see smashing in the background, it's okay. I'll man, I am so stoked to talk about this episode, man. You talk about hulking out, and I, I think there's a <laughs> lot going on here. It's going to be interesting to kind of cast our minds back to episode two of season one from back in 1990. But man, I'm really, really thrilled to do it. Of course, if you've uh, not found this series before, welcome. We've been going back through the classic 90s series. We've just started off going through uh, the single season of the Earth 90 Flash as he is now connected to the CW-verse or the Arrowverse or what have you. And uh, man, this has been this has been a, a really, really solid launch. People have been responding really, really well. Of course, this series would not be made possible without the direct support of our patrons at patreon.com slash TV talk. And as we mentioned last week, we will be giving away a, uh, a copy of the Earth 90s series box set slash digital slash box set. I think box set. <laughs> Two copies even. Well, one copy we're going to be giving away this episode. So stay tuned to the end of the episode and find out uh, if you are a patron uh, whether or not you're you're a winner, so we'll be uh, we'll be announcing that. And hey, if you want to enter your name into the running to uh, to win that second box set of the uh, the '90s Flash series, uh, head over to Patreon.com/slash/TVTalk. Help support this show, and uh, yeah, you will your name will be in for the for the next giveaway. But stay tuned to the end of the show, and we will be giving one away then. Uh, man, I also have to make mention to the man himself, Mr. John Wesley Ship. Uh, now, longtime listeners of Flash TV Talk know that we've had John Wesley Ship on the show before, uh, back when, you know, obviously at that stage in the game, we weren't revisiting the classic series. We were talking to him about his role as Henry Allen, uh, asking about Dawson's dad. It was really <laughs> interesting, man. I was reflecting on this just the other day, but uh, as you may recall, we had him on in like the the days leading up to the birth of my second child. Uh, and I remember cause we, we thought that she actually might be born that night and I didn't want to tell, I didn't want to cancel the, <laughs> the interview. <laughs> and so once we got done, John was like, wait, why are you talking to me, man? You're about to be a dad. <laughs> 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 so anyway, it was, it was just really funny, but uh great guy. Oh, always, yeah. uh, always a class act and of course uh, a big uh, big presence in the fan community as well and uh, gave us a nice little shout out on Twitter which uh, so if you're you're finding the show because of uh, John's uh, sharing it out uh, thank you and welcome yeah absolutely we're glad to have you here absolutely man okay are you ready to do this let's do it all right man let's jump into the rundown the, the rundown, rundown. 
Episode 2 of Season 1, Out of Control. Directed by Mario as a party and written by Gail Morgan Hickman. Bell, what happened to this episode? While Barry and his colleague Julio Mendez investigate the murders of several homeless people whose bodies are being stolen from the crime scenes, Tina reconnects with an old friend, Dr. Carl Tanner, who has recently returned to Central City to retrieve Tina's late husband's research on genetic engineering. Barry and Tina learn that Tanner is using the vagrants in his illegal and lethal experiments to create mutations, and upon being confronted, Tanner injects himself with the unfinished serum, turning into a man monster that only the Flash manages to defeat. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right, man, this is a like a classic, man, just just a classic kind of sitcom-y, uh, delicious episode that is mixed in with a bunch of like superhero antics. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really stoked to dive into this one, man. Yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> I honestly did not remember this one because I, I know I watched the first several episodes uh uh, when I, when I, when we first started this podcast, you know, as we were coming up on the first trickster episode of the CW show. And for some reason, I don't remember this one. So I mean, it was like, look, yeah, this is a, this is like got all the classic, like, um, you know, I mean, just social dynamics, right? Like, Oh, he was a friend of my husband's and they were always in competition for me. And it really was a coin toss whether or not I was going to marry my husband or this guy. So Carl's kind of the one that got away. And Barry's all like, oh, he thinks you can come in here and, and say science stuff. Well, I could say science stuff, too. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very tropey. Very, very tropey. <laughs> and then on top of that is like, oh, the bad guy is the guy that you have a crush on. What's the convenience of that? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, of course not. He would never do anything like that. He's a good guy. Yeah, I loved it, man. I think I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's par for the course, I think, from for a series of the time. And, it, it you know, if we're being totally honest, a lot of those same story elements still continue on several decades into the future. So I think that there's a <laughs> there's almost like a. Um, what is it like almost a, a little bit of a nostalgia when you kind of see it play out in, in this former fashion. Now, what I love, man, is I was thinking through this this episode is just how, you know, I, so I wrote this down in my notes as I'm watching this show and I'm thinking, man, this show was really ahead of its time. But as the episode went on, I realized that maybe it was also behind the times. Like it, <laughs> it was in many ways, it was a decade ahead and a decade behind in that it found itself between these two eras of superhero television. If you think back to, you know, the, um, gosh, the, the late seventies, early eighties, right. That's when uh, you had the Hulk series came out and, you know, you even had him like fighting Thor in there. There was, there was a, there wasn't, there was a time, right? Yeah. You know, and every time anybody mentions the seventies Hulk show, I just remember that, you know, sad walking away music from the incredible Hulk. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Wait, what, what year was that actually? Like Hulk series, want to make starring sure Lou Ferrigno, right? who uh, also had a cameo in the Incredible Hulk, uh, the version of it that was in the MCU, which which is the Incredible Hulk. That's the title. Because Angley's yeah, was just I, Hulk. That's right. That's right. Okay, so the Incredible Hulk, right? So that was 1977 through 1982. So ten, essentially, ten years before this, far more successful, obviously, than the Flash, which is kind of ridiculous this is a i mean look i don't want to bash the hulk i know that there's there's great fans of that show but i mean just you look at that show and you look at this show and i mean like but look at any show i mean it was from from around this i mean because you can't compare the hulk to the flash to the 90s flash right you got to compare the hulk to other shows like a team and mash and like all the other stuff that was on tv around then 
Okay, fair enough. That's a, that's a fair point. But if you think about what that series was doing at the time, like he had an episode where he, uh, he didn't he, he fight he fought Thor at one point, and then you had you know Marvel was trying to make that that terrible Captain America yeah. series as well. <laughs> like there was a time in which superhero television was trying in in some ways it found its footing, in some ways it very much didn't. And you kind of think about like if this series had come out then when the iron was hot for, you know, superhero properties on TV or at least looking for quality superhero properties on TV, you kind of think that like maybe this this wouldn't have had one season. Like this would have actually done incredibly incredibly well. In fact, I almost get the sense that this episode tries to kind of set up a situation where it's like the Hulk versus the Flash, right? I mean, I know we're talking about two different universes, but is not uh, our boy here, Carl, kind of like a stand-in for for David Banner. I mean, he's like he's like if 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 Doctor Jekyll and Doctor Banner kind of fused, where instead of like getting mad and turning into the Hulk, he injects himself and turns into the Hulk. Well, well yeah. I mean, nobody's <laughs> trying to get sued here. I'm just <laughs> that's exactly right. But yeah, I mean, like yeah. that's that's the idea. I mean, you. You see this a lot. I mean, DC and Marvel have done this in comic books and and other you know properties that they uh, and, and other avenues rather that they've used their properties on, where they'll have kind of like, oh, this is what it would be like if you know Superman. And, you know, we don't have Superman fighting this. We have the Century fighting this. Oh, we don't have you know the Hulk fought fighting here. We have Solomon Grundy fighting here. But I mean, essentially, that's what they're doing is they're kind of setting up in your mind what it could be like if you could kind of imagine that other hero that you know and love that isn't currently here because we don't legally have access, <laughs> but we're trying to tap into that those nostalgia vibes. We're trying to tap into the popularity that's there. This was, I think, I, I think it's safe to say, this was the Flash versus the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. TV-wise, anyway. I mean, like yeah. Like a TV version of the Hulk, yeah. It's, it's, it's a comic book. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is not a comic book. There was a Hulk TV show. This is also a TV show. So that's the thing. The Hulk was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like that is literally the Hulk. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. I think Stan Lee has even admitted that that's the case. <laughs> so he, he was he was he was fine ripping off stuff. Like he'll he'll tell you, oh, I was just reading the book and he said Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So I thought, what if he was a superhero? <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, that's that is 100 percent the inspiration there. Yeah. But he didn't turn green. That was one thing I, I was hoping that he would turn green. <laughs> no, no, no. Again, nobody's trying to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like brown or, you know, what, what, what color is purple? If he turned purple and he had green clothes on all the time, that would have been great. Okay, gotta invert the uh, color scheme. I mean, there, there's something there. There might yeah. be something there for sure. But uh, no, man, I think they they played it safe the way they did it. And like you said, you definitely. I think probably the stronger, obvious vibes are the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. But if you kind of cast your mind back to you know what the series was and kind of where it fell into you know trying to be the new Hulk for a new generation, uh, it, it would make sense that early on that's that's something that you would want to see, or at least try to you know create in the mind's eye of of the uh, the viewers that are out there. Now, I love this, man. In this episode, of course, we do see that uh, Carl, he's got a, a strong hatred for the homeless. He's out conducting uh, experiments on them. You see him, he's got rats, he's got dogs, and he's got um, the homeless folks that he, he basically sees in kind of a similar light. And the advocate man is a, a priest who is, uh, who's out here trying to uh, represent the, uh, the homeless in his parish. 
And I, I love the dynamics between the the priest and Barry's boss and Barry <laughs> and uh, Barry's boss is like, hey, man, I understand. I'm a church going man myself. And then Barry slams him with, you haven't been to church since you were baptized. <laughs> Christian Bird. <Yeah. laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Hit him with that flaming sword on that one. Right on that one. <laughs> I wrote that one down, man. I was like, I, I'm, I don't know how or when, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna use this. <laughs> That's just too good. But anyway, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, so, like I said, man, Carl, Carl, of course, uh, he's got some issues, but he is the one that got away. Did you, did you really? What did you think about him kind of button heads with Barry in this kind of love triangle that we see, knowing full well? That Iris is still, you know, he's still he's still with Iris. Well, but that whole they set that whole thing up though with uh with him and Julio where like, you know, she sends Barry the postcard and Julio grabs it and like burns it and whatnot, and he's like, you know, oh get your mind off of that. So like they still have it there. And that's what's so interesting about this show that, you know, I've gotten so used to Barry and Iris, because like, you know, th- there was the whole will they won't they in the CW Flash show for a while. But now it's just, you know, it's been firmly cemented that they are together just like they are in the comics in the CW show. And then with this show, you know, they had Iris in the first episode. They introduced her. She left. And Tina, like, okay, well, like, clearly they're pushing Tina as a love interest. But, like, but but what about Iris? But we haven't seen her. You know, and she sends this postcard. And so it's like, you know, what's what's going on here? And so it, it's... He burned up the postcard, man. Yeah. Yeah. Julio and then, burned and then it. Did you, did you see what he did after he burned up the postcard? No. With Julio? You didn't notice? Julio or Barry? Yeah. Julio. What do you do? He leaned back on the bun- Bunsen burner. I was worried for him. Oh. <laughs> like, like he lit it on fire and he puts it away and then he kind of crosses his hands. He leans back behind. And I'm like, dude, the, it's, it's still on. <laughs> I was a little concerned that Julio was about to go up. Yeah. Yeah. That'd have been funny. Um, but yeah, you know, so so it's it's I don't, is this a love triangle or is this a love square or a love rectangle or a love uh, rhombus? A hexagon? What if it was a love octagon? Dodecahedron. It's a love dodecahedron. So there's though. 20 people involved? I think so. I think if you consider, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to list them off here, but I think we are all very much aware <laughs> of the 20 folks involved in this relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. But seriously, though, you got you got Barry and Iris, Barry and Tina, Tina and Barry, uh, Tina and um, Carl, at least in this episode, that was it. Yeah, that was it. But Carl kind of like blew his chances right there at the beginning by being all like really pushy and... He blew his chances with Barry. Yeah, he was not nice to Barry at the beginning. He called him out for like saying non sciencey stuff and for using the lawyer on the uh, billboard as like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't gonna happen. It wasn't gonna happen. The shippers were were lined up, and then it just it's like nah, this yeah, ain't, this ain't happening. No, but like uh, Carl, Carl yeah. with um uh, with Tina because you know he tries to. Tina kiss- was not shutting him down, man. What are you talking about? She, like, she he- did right at when he walked her home and and uh, he kissed her out in front. And she's like, whoa, dude, like what's okay, up? At that point, yes, no, but you're saying like straight from the jump that she, like he didn't have a chance. No, not straight from the jump. Him. Not straight from the jump. Okay, but like yeah, he he moved way too quick on you know a widower. Who, uh, well, but the way it was set up, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not going <laughs> to, right, this is devil's advocate. I am not <laughs> saying that Carl was in the right here, but I am saying that like, you know, they did lay out the background story of that, you know, Carl was competing with her husband and that, you know, you kind of got the sense that he's the one that got away and it's like, well, you know, if, if the husband's out of the picture and Carl comes back, you know, I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, I see what they they're trying a to history. do. They have history. He's not like a new guy out of nowhere. Right, no, and I see what they're trying to do. It's just, but like, how, how many years had it been that he had been gone? Um, since you've been gone, I've been drinking gin before recording a podcast. Uh, wait, what? 
yeah, that, that long. He's been gone that long, and yes. uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just it just came off as kind of it's kind of weird for it for him to just like pop right back up into her life after she was widowed and like think that he had a chance. Although, yes, yeah, she was being very kind to him because they did have this connection. But like, I don't, I didn't really feel like. Aside from, you know, their past connection and, and, and the friendship and whatever that, that, that she held when he came back, that she was kind of honoring that and not like being like, yeah, you know, this guy, blah, blah, blah. And then like when Barry kind of pressed into it, that's when she sort of like got mad at him for being jealous of this dude that she doesn't really have any sort of connection with now anymore, you know? Which really isn't fair. Doesn't she realize she's in a 90s sitcom? Like this is what happens. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. she thinks she'd be aware. I know, uh, I know. No, that's that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right. But I do think I think that she was, if if Carl hadn't played it so strong so fast, then she, he probably, you know, if he'd played a little bit of a longer game, they might have rekindled something until she discovered that he was uh, a disgusting human being in in every way. Uh. So like, so so at, at what point? I'm trying to remember uh, the the order of events when he drugged her. Was that that was was that before or after Barry accused him of wanting uh, of being the bad guy? And she was like, you know what, maybe it's gotta know. be after, gotta be after. Like that's the thing that kind of reveal doesn't happen early on. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing for me. Like if I was at dinner with somebody at my house, and then the next thing I know, I wake up on the couch, I'm I'm gonna be asking a lot of questions. Well, man, this has happened multiple times, and as I recall, you're just like, oh, it must be Tuesday. Like you know, and you got up and left. Like. <laughs> Look, look, you know, one glass of wine, a bottle of whiskey, doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> when I was disappointed that our uh, our crisis house party didn't get you blackout drunk like you had to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. probably for the best, all things considered. Um, <laughs> all right, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Look, that's they. They clearly they were they were very ill matched, and and that's that's the case. Here's my question for you, though. I mean, like you know, we we are saying already we are. Behind the Tina Berry pairing, the Terry, we're we're Team Terry, right? Team Terry, yeah. Team Terry, we're we're all about that. Terry the Tank Engine, no, that <laughs> we got to find something. We still haven't figured out what is the like. You know, if we're gonna ship Terry, there needs to be like a a Terry Terry Troop. T- Barry McGee. Team Terry, I guess is fine. No, I mean like no, I mean it could be the same. Uh, it could be the same name. I just. Need some sort of alliteration to go with Talon? And Team Terry doesn't seem fun enough. Or Malin? McAllen? I said McAllen. You didn't like McAllen. No. Eh, yeah, I don't know. Now, I, I like Terry. I'm a fan of Terry myself. I just think Terry works. Terry's great. Terry's the best. No, I'm I'm all about it. I'm riding the Terry train. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's all about it. But anyway, I look, that's the thing. We're, we're, we're for that. But at the same time, Iris is still in the picture and is... is is she though she's being successful in france barry should break it off with her right like what is what is like at this point she was not as into it as he was or at least she didn't want to kind of progress things and she was only going to do it because he wanted to because she wanted to kind of maintain the relationship but now he's kind of starting to regress don't you think i don't know like doesn't he kind of owe it to her? I, I kind of feel like barry is the bad guy here yeah yeah i mean well you know uh yeah i i feel like it's one of those situations where like they call each other and they're both going to be like, yeah, let's just, let's just call it quits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I'm kind of hoping that, that that happens at some point. I know that you said that you've only watched three episodes of this series, right? Um, I don't remember exactly how many because I watched, uh, I think up to the trickster episode. Okay. 
Fair enough. Well, my hope is that, that Barry does the right thing. I, I like that's the one thing that I kind of keep on thinking. Like, come on, bud, you you can you can do it. You, you know, you know, <laughs> you know what's up. Um, Dogzilla, man, we got a chance to fight uh, Dogzilla in this uh, beautiful shadow puppet. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> this. I, I, I they they use that trope a lot where it's like, oh, it's the big scary shadow on the wall. But like, you know, in this particular instance, it wasn't like a small dog that was just you know backlit and projected big. It was actually a giant big werewolf thing, right? right. Which was which was pretty cool. Um, I don't. I, I want to know what the heck he's injecting them with to make them like you know humanoid or or yeah. No, it's ionized. Ah, it's the ionization. It's got to be. It's the ionization. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it is. He's just ionizing it. Uh, no, I, I liked I liked uh, Dogzilla. I liked they were able to save it. It was interesting because like you know when they he started injecting the the dog, I was like not the puppy. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's there's there's a there's an extra kind of evil, right? Like obviously the guy's going out. He's he's attacking and essentially like killing homeless folks, and then he does it to a puppy. And it's like you know like what does that say about human society? Where when the puppy gets involved, you're like no the puppy like he's just murdered people yeah, it's like, like it's like all, all the homeless people that he's killed and then you're like oh no the puppy which survived mind you it it the, right. the dog did live but like all the other homeless people who are dying you know you the, you're no better than dr carl tanner the dr carl tanner that's right a bunch of tanners yeah he's, uh, <laughs> he's there. Will, he had that cage man that cage to trap barry um which which kind of you know in, I guess was it sucking out the air or was it putting gas into it? I, that was one thing I wasn't sure. About. No, it's a big vacuum chamber. Okay, so was that you? Do you think he had that specifically to trap the Flash, or was he doing some sort of experiments with it? No, I mean that was in Star Labs, so I think that was some kind of uh, just just you know vacuum chamber in Star Labs they're using. That just so happened to be there. It, it reminded me of in uh, the Smallville episode Justice, which we watched a long of long course. time ago. Uh no man there's of course a, it reminds uh, you of Smallville. <laughs> uh, yeah of course man look Lex Lex actually traps Bart Allen in a similar like a, a a room a glass cage that looks very very similar to this albeit a little bit larger uh where the fl- it was pressurized so the flash had to be in constant motion uh, otherwise he would die and so Bart was like literally like running around in circles and everything else and uh, until uh, Clark came in and saved him so. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I did not know if perhaps Smallville might have taken inspiration from this, but uh, it just reminded me of that. That being said, I do think that like, you know, lit up glass walls is kind of a common superhero trap cage scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, they did it in Superman 2, and then they did it again in Superman 2 at the end, but he reversed the polarity of the trap. Dun, dun, dun. He should have ionized it. He should have. Should have. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would done something. <laughs> what activated is what it would have done. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Cool. There you go. Uh. All right. Another another thing to note here, thinking about uh, kind of some of the effects that we're dealing with. I you know I mentioned this last week, but the what what are your thoughts about how how we're seeing super speed? I mean, I guess it's kind of par for the course. You know, this is obviously pre Matrix, so you don't have that bullet time kind of expectation. I think that audiences have now. Um. But you know, we we get a chance to see uh, Barry doing the. Uh, you know, he, he runs in real fast and gets rid of the gun so fast you don't even see him. But then you also see him like pounding those uh, moose bushes at the beginning of the <laughs> at the episode at the party, going after those uh, bruschettas. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, there was a little bit of the slow mo bullet time thing thing. I feel uh, when he threw the the bottle of whatever it was, nitric acid or 
No, it was nitroglycerin or something like well, that. Well, that wasn't would that wasn't bullet time, but I mean, like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, you're absolutely. Right. Yeah, bullet time is 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 was was invented by the Wachowski brothers for the Matrix. Yes, but it was it was a similar kind of like slowed down sort of feel, but make you think that it sped up. That that was the intent they were going for, right? And I, it, it was right. a tiny little bit of that in that part of the episode. Um, but yeah, most everything feels like it's just normal speed that they speed up you know, run, run the, run the film faster to make it look faster kind of stuff. And like you were saying, the invisible portions where they just blow an air cannon by somebody to indicate that he's right, that he's run by. Um, it is, it is interesting. Cause they, when he, when, when he is the flash, there is a little bit of a blur effect, but nothing like, you know, crazy, which is to be expected. Right. I mean, like we're not watching this anticipating any kind of like big movie budget, or even if they even had a big movie budget, just the capabilities that, you know, <laughs> actually it's kind of probably better that they went a little bit more low tech, with how they displayed everything. Cause otherwise it would have been like a gif of like lightning behind them. You know? Yeah. 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 It'd have been like rotoscoped really weird looking <laughs> lightning there's, and there's stuff. Horrible, horrible special effects from the era. So I almost kind of feel like the low tech nature of it and the practical nature of it, I suppose is probably a better way to say it. Well, I will say this, uh, you mentioning lightning. Uh, I, I actually noticed this in this episode where there's a scene where he's running and he's got the, he's got the gold on his belt um, mm-hmm. And the gold on his wrist and the gold on his ears and the way they streak it and kind of smear it and blur it, it does kind of look like lightning trailing out behind him. I, I think it's meant to be an homage. I don't think we're supposed to interpret that as like lightning in particular. No, 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 no absolutely not. It, the, yeah, the, the intent was not to like the, these are lightning. it's just how they streak it. But like in my mind, it kind of looks, you know, it looks kind of like a lightning kind of thing. I, 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 I just I remember distinctly going like, oh, wow, that's kind of lightning-ish. Obviously, it's not what they're trying to do, but it, it sort of reminds me of it. When you have the red smear and the gold and, you know, the way they the way they, they blur it and everything, uh, it was it was it was kind of neat. The other thing you got to remember, and this is kind of interesting as well, is that like, you know, you think about the lightning, we kind of associate that mostly with, you know, the concept of the speed force. But the speed force was a much more like that didn't show up like canonically in canon until like like another decade or two after this show. So they're dealing with a very kind of classic Silver Age Barry Allen without the more cosmic nature of uh, of the Speed Force. In fact, I, I don't think uh, I'm sure Karen or somebody's going to jump on me for, for saying this <laughs> if I'm wrong. But I, I don't believe at this stage in the game, the Flash was even traveling through time, right? In terms of his power set. I mean, he wasn't traveling like in the in the, in the pilot episode when they you know gauged his speed. I want to say he only got up to like five hundred miles an hour, which granted is fast, but like it's nothing like you know the CW Flash Barry you know can go. Um, I don't think they mess with time at all. I I mean I could be wrong. It's very very possible that I am, but I'm kind of thinking. Let me think about this. All right, so so. This is good. I'm doing a little uh, little education on the fly here. It looks like, in fact, that Barry accidentally travels back in time uh, with Kid Flash during the Silver Age in 1959. So that would have been 10 years before this. So, all right. So there Wait, you 1959? go. 1959? 1959. Wouldn't yeah. that be Golden Age? So, uh, no, if we're talking, if first of all, I don't think uh, Kid Flash didn't exist in the Golden Age. Kid Flash was an introduction of the Silver Age. Okay. So. Yeah, no, that, uh, that, so he was traveling through time now. I, so that kind of gets me curious as to whether or not we'll actually see some time travel in this series. But I'm wondering if, if maybe not. Cause like I said, they are kind of keeping these, uh, situations a little bit more grounded. Yes, we had Dogzilla. Yes, we had, you know, the Hulk, essentially, <laughs> Marvel's, <laughs> Marvel's take on the Hulk. But at the same time, 
you know, I mean, it's still fairly 90s tropey stuff. We're not dealing with any comic book names other than, you know, Barry and Iris. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't think we get the comic book names until a little, later, little later on. I mean, aside from like accessory characters, stuff like uh, uh, Linda Park has been mentioned. Uh, obviously, you know, Iris has been mentioned, well, that's right. um, yeah. you know, but in terms of like the super, you know, super heroic or super villain, I'm really kind of, I guess, more than anything else talking about the super villains, because that's one thing that you see in these television series is that often, in fact, the Flash was kind of kind of groundbreaking because when their freaks of the week were actual like, you know, characters from the show are characters from the comics uh, talking about the CW, the more recent one. If you think about what Arrow was doing, if you think about what Smallville did, like it was very rare that you actually got supervillains with kind of comic book connections outside of like maybe Lois and Clark, you know, having Lex Luthor or, or you know, occasionally bringing in some characters of the comics. A lot of times it's just here's a random situation or a random dude or, you know, made up for the show. And uh, flat, I mean, man, I would love to be corrected if I'm wrong on this one. But I do think that the CW's Flash is one of the first comic book series to really like lean in so that almost every single week you're getting a villain with direct comic book ties. Now, it may be, you know, changed, modernized, gender bent, whatever the situation is, but it has direct ties to the comics. A lot of these folks, I'm looking up, you know, what their, you know, what their ties are to DC Comics and I'm finding, well, well they kind of originated here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like that's because of the success of Arrow. And, and you know, Smallville in its later season started bringing in other characters from the Justice League and in stuff In the like later that. seasons, but not, but even still then, not, I mean, yes, you're right. Smallville did in the later seasons, but I think they really wanted to make sure when they brought in a comic book character, they wanted to get like a big name behind it. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like it couldn't just be, you know, some model from... Uh, from Quebec. Like it actually had to be somebody who, you know, you would like, for example, for Brainiac, they brought in uh, uh, James Marsterson from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, and that was a big casting get. But on top of that, he wasn't just a one and done character. He was also a series, a season long villain. Yeah. You know, whereas with the flash, you know, we've had, we've had big names, top tier villains show up for even just a single episode. And then very murders and like, them. Yeah, well, he doesn't murder them. I mean, <laughs> oh, he wrongfully imprisons them. Yeah, he locks them in the basement. But that was pre-crisis Barry. We're we're dealing with post-crisis <laughs> Barry. It's a different, it's a different universe now. And even even smaller time folks, like you think about Rainbow Raider, right? Like we haven't seen Rainbow Raider in like forever. Yeah, but that's a comic book character. Yes, he's kind of goofy. He's totally they, goofy in the comics. He rides yeah. a surfboard made out of a rainbow. Yeah, and I mean that's I'm amazing. Still hoping I'm still hoping the post-crisis version of him does. Yes, they need to bring it back. Got to bring it back. Yeah, I, I I think you're right there. I think you know they really started to, and, and maybe it was licensing. Maybe it was something they finally got the rights to just mm, dive right. deeply into the comics, or or maybe it was one of those things where they 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 looked at okay, all these previous shows have made up characters just for the show. We have this wealth of this this giant rogues gallery that no one has the rights to. Why not just use them? Kind of thing. I I don't I don't know which one it was. Okay, so the rights is kind of interesting. That that may be at play. I was going to lean more on the idea that we're dealing now with you know content creators, you know like like directors, producers, uh, writers who grew up on these kind of shows and always felt like you know, felt this, this lacking nature of like, wait, why don't we have these big names? Like, why don't we have Superman going up against, you know, Brainiac going up against, um, 
I, I mean, I'm blank toy man. You know, like why, why isn't this happening? Why does we have to wait five weeks, half a season, an entire season before we actually see a villain from the comic books? And I think that if you look at the team behind the CW's flash, they're they're They have a lot of direct inspirations. I mean, like this, this show in particular is an obvious direct inspiration for uh, the, the, the modern series. You also have Smallville. You also have Lois and Clark. You also, you know, you've got these, these larger shows that have occurred that they grew up with. And so all the things that we felt as people, you know, kids growing up watching these shows and comic books and like, you know, saying like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if Batman and Superman were actually in a movie together? Well, now the people making the movies are like, yeah, they grew up saying that exact same thing. <laughs> so that's what they want to see. You know, even the, the notion of Avengers, you know, the, and the Marvel cinematic universe, you know, pre Iron Man seemed so, such, so far-fetched, like something you would just talk about in a comic book shop. But the reality is, is that the people who are making those shows, those movies, those properties, managing those properties, they grew up having those conversations in the comic book shop. And now, you know, those lessons learned are being applied because they know what people want because that's what they wanted. And so I think, you know, in a series like this and and many that came before, uh, you had a lot of folks who probably watched this and yes, it was cool to see the Flash beat up the bad guys and run through and save the day and, and everything else. But as you dive into the comics, you're like, ooh, but where's Zoom? You know, like, where's uh, where's Captain Cold? Where, where's Eobard Thawne? Where's, uh, where's the Trickster? Like, where, where are these kind of bigger names? And you know what? We're only in episode two. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to get some big names here in, in the near future. I got a Flash fact for you. You ready for this? Yeah. Um, all right. So I, I got a man. We mentioned that throughout the course of the series, we're going to start, you know, rather than seeing references to other things, we're going to see things that were referenced from this. Does that, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. They're like reverse references. We're seeing the thing that was referenced in the CW show. Exactly. So this is very time travel. Very, very on brand. Uh, we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got uh, the villain actually here is, uh, you know, Carl Tanner. I uh, was actually referenced, or at least there was kind of an homage paid in Caitlin's mother uh, from the CW's Flash. As you recall, man, her name was Carla uh, Tanhauser. Tanhauser. And so Tanhauser, thank you. And so the 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 name takes direct inspiration from Dr. Carl Tan- Tanner. Think about it; they're both geneticists. They're both working in kind of a similar scientific field, uh, and they're both evil. So there's a uh, there's a little connection there from uh, from the the new show to the old show the Flash series of two series the Flash of networks. two series I like that that <laughs> <laughs> that that works really well. Yeah, you know Hi, this is John Wesley Ship, and you're listening to Flash TV Talk. All right, so we got some listener feedback. So first one comes in from Greco-American Mythologist on Twitter. What did a G-A-M-T? Wait, no, G-A-M. What did G-A-M say? <laughs> I guess the Tina's husband reference is to Jerry McGee from the Wally West comics who became Speed Demon after performing similar experiments on himself. Interesting. So this is like a triple layer reference. If this is true. No, no, never mind. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Carl. Never mind. Yeah, I <laughs> the whole Tina Carl Tina's it's husband the love dodecahedron man. It's just yeah, throwing you off. Yeah, it's too many. But no, that's really interesting. Need to cut that down to like a love pyramid at the very least. I know, right? Yeah, love uh, icosahedron. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we need, need three dimensional three. We 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 wanted three dimensional love stories, and 
And dang it, they they got it. They got it for us. But I do think that's neat that they're actually putting references to the comic property in the 90s show. Um, I mean, because like, you know, even even they're, they're like deep cut references on the CW show, even now, you know, with comic book movies and comic book TV shows kind of m- like mainstreaming comics, if you will. Mm-hmm. But to have like, yep. you know, a, a, a deep cut reference in the 90s when comics weren't I mean, they, 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 they got pretty big around the death of Superman. Like I know there's a huge uh, cultural kind of like comic books are cool because this death of Superman issue is going to be super expensive. Although this show came out before the death of Superman, didn't it? Ah, man. See, you know what? This is great because we always get, uh, we don't always get flack because typically we're better than this. But <laughs> we have gotten flack on this podcast before for being uninformed about the subject matters that we're talking about. But this does put us at a pretty serene disadvantage because we, we're we not actively in the 90s. This is 2020. God help us. <laughs> like this is, you know, we, so we are having to kind of both cast our memory back to a time when we were we were just kids. We don't remember. Yeah, that was many, many years ago. Yeah, but that's it's a that's a good question. Oh, okay. It it was originally published in '92, so this is a year after the Flash was over. But still, like in the zeitgeist, right? Like comic books were kind of bubbling up a little bit, not as much as as they are now, but a little. Well, didn't the death of Superman take place because comics were taking a big hit? Like that was like the big way to get to draw attention back to comics. I mean, maybe yes, probably. So I'm I'm completely wrong, but still, even still, <laughs> I think that, that adds to the whole point of like this. This did not do the what it was supposed to do. I've got so many questions, and maybe we'll know this, and maybe we can kind of after the end of the season, uh, kind of look back on like why didn't this take off? Because this this should this is gold, Jerry. Like this is this is like <laughs> really really good stuff, especially for the era. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and like that's what I'm saying. Like that's why it's so surprising to me. To have a deep cut reference in this show that literally maybe like 10% of, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess probably it's hard to speak on like demographics and who is watching this show because we don't, I mean, I'm sure we could probably find the data from that somewhere. Um, like, you know, as far as like, you know, 18s to 35s, men, women, you know, children, like the, the, whatever age demographics were watching it. But like you get the figure, you get the feeling that like the show's on CBS, um, the, the audience, they weren't, they didn't cater it directly towards comic fans so it's it's kind of neat to see these references to the comics that really like your quote true fans would be the only ones to get and so like it it shows to me that the the creators you know while maybe they couldn't put the incredible hulk versus the flash in the second episode uh, (laughs) they they at least they at least understood the subject matter and um and 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 the just vast you know comic universe that the flash resides in so that that, that's kind of cool yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right, man. I, and it's a question of whether or not it's true. I think it might be a stretch, but I love that. That's where your head's at, J.A.M. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's great. Maybe we'll see. Maybe maybe there'll be more of a name drop uh, somewhere in there. I mean, like, look, if it's McGee, it's right there in the name. So I know. Right. It's got it's got to be. I'm 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 for it. I think it's I think he's correct, man. We got an email in from Malcolm in London. What did Malcolm have to say? Malcolm says, hey, guys, just wanted to drop you a line to say how stoked I am that you're finally covering the 90s Flash show. As a 47-year-old Flash fan, this show was my jam back in the day. One of my earliest memories as a small boy back around 1979 was a plastic placemat with a picture of the Flash on one side and the comic strip of his origin on the other that I would eat my meals on every day. So you can probably imagine my excitement when I found out this show was coming. The only downside was being in the UK. Uh, We at first only got the pilot on VHS 
And then the two Nightshade episodes and the Trickster episode uh, as separate movies until about a year, maybe, when the series actually aired on satellite TV. Even though this berry still isn't exactly like the berry in the books, I thought it was a good blend of Barry and Wally with his excessive eating to fuel himself and his more lighter attitude while still keeping Barry's CSI smarts, even before CSI was a thing. See if you can find the audio commentary where uh, Bilson and Demio did that was huh. uh, on the Petfly website. It has some great behind-the-scenes nuggets. I think John Wesley's ship was amazing as Barry back in the day, and he gave him just the right amount of physicality while also having the acting chops for the drama. And yes, I found myself wearing a light gray trench coat and slightly extending, <laughs> extending my chest and arms as I took off to catch buses wherever possible. Anyway, keep up the great work, guys. This is going to be fun. It's from Malcolm in London. I love it, man. And yes, this time around, <laughs> I meant to mention that, but uh, I was watching. I was like, why did I think this was a lab coat in the first episode? Like, it's obviously a trench coat. I mean, coat, but I think it, it, it's, it's styles. You're not, you're, my mind's not. Yeah. Like, like, you know, if, if, if you weren't, you know, if you were completely, uh, uh, I guess, removed from, you know, late 80s, early 90s culture and you saw one of those, you would think, yeah, why is that guy wearing a lab coat? But yeah, that was like the style. And man, I... I tell you what, I watched The Lost Boys uh, a couple weeks back, and now after watching this show, it's like I I wish I had hair. I would be like the 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 guy who's like trapped in the eighties for sure. I would I would have the big flowing over like trench coat thing and like crazy you know glam rock hair and eyeliner. Man, I, that would have been you. Uh, that would have been me. I mean, go back and watch yeah. The Lost Boys and tell me that like you know. Kiefer Sutherland's hair and, 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 and the hair of the other vampires wasn't just amazing. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to do that. Uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And uh, I'm going to do it after this, uh, this podcast, man. But uh, <laughs> I think for now we need to, we need to do a little business because we, we made a promise at the top of the show and we need to, uh, to cash in on, on it here. Uh, of course, we're talking about our, uh, this, the fact that the series would not happen without the amazing support of our patrons. And so, uh, as we mentioned last week, we are going to be giving away uh, not one, but two flash box sets to uh, some amazing patrons, the people who are supporting the show. Now, we're going to give one away this episode. We're going to give one away later in the series. So if you want to be considered for the future, uh, head over to patreon.com slash TV talk to sign up to support the show. By doing so, that'll enter in your name into the running. And Bell, are you ready for this? I am. All right. We're doing it at random. And the winner is... Carrie Stewart. Carrie Stewart. No, Wait. no, no. I'm oh. sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. That was wrong. Wrong. I, I'm sorry. It was um, Moonlight. Moonlight. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and the winner. <laughs> took you a second. On I was like, Moon- I, I guess that's their Patreon screen name. <laughs> I don't know. All right. La la la. <laughs> Man, these are weird Patreon right. screen names. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> And the winner is Carrie Stewartwood or Stewartwood, 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 Swartwood. Carrie Swartwood. Not only do you win a flash box set, you also win me butchering your name. So congratulations <laughs> and thank you so much for your support. Yes, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, we'll be sending that out to you shortly. Um, I guess I don't. What do they need to do to get in contact? We can. I'm actually messaging you right now as we speak. So it's kind of like a. Wait, should I message now? Because then Carrie's going to be like, I already know I'm the winner. No, don't do you it yet. Wait, I mean? wait, like, wait till the episode airs. Uh, okay. Uh, I, 
Dis- All right, Carrie, me- message us, <laughs> message us through Patreon, and we'll get you, we'll get you set up. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, absolutely. But thank you so much for your support. Uh, it's it's huge, and we uh, we really thank you so much. And of course, we will be drawing another random name from our patrons in the future. So uh, head over to the future, no, the present, over at Patreon.com/slash TV Talk, and uh, sign up there. Hey, one other thing I want to make mention of before we uh, kind of officially sign out here, and that is. Uh, man, we, we are entering into the holiday season. Um, in fact, next week will be uh, Thanksgiving week and we will be officially kicking off kind of that, that holiday season. And one of the things that we do here at Flash TV Talk is we have an annual Christmas special called Grandma Esther's Eggnog Induced Christmas Call and Extravaganza. And we have been kind of thinking about what we want to do in this crazy year that has been 2020. Nothing has happened the right way. Uh, nothing, we, we don't have a show to speculate on in the same kind of way that we have in the past. Uh, it seems weird even trying to do kind of follies and that sort of thing that we've done in the past. And so I'm thinking, Bell, I'm thinking we just have a party. I mean, like, I, think, I like, think that sounds like great. full on party. Yeah. Yeah. And we invite everybody, like, like everybody. And I don't mean everybody like, you know, you call up other podcasters, you know, who, who needs other podcasters? I'm talking about like people who are listeners. Like any, like everybody shows up. We don't record a regular show. We might record it, but we might not put it out in like a podcast. Day. I'm thinking it's like a, just a full on hangout. Everybody brings some eggnog. Everybody shows up. We just hang out. We might play some games on a massive Zoom call. Uh, probably, probably broadcast it, but but who knows? But that's that's kind of what I'm thinking for Grandma Esther's this year. Yeah, I can pull up my green screen and like play episodes in the background. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Grandma Esther's quarantine Christmas call in. Zoom call. Zoom extravaganza. Zoom extravaganza. Although on Flash TV Talk, I feel like if you put Zoom in it, it has a different connotation. Well, hey, mm. you know, we're, we're we're talking about things being sus. I mean, uh, uh. we could we could we could do we could do Among Us. <laughs> Man, what if what if Grandma Esther is actually Zoom? <gasps> dun dun dun. And with that one, you can follow us on Twitter at Flash TV Talk, or you can follow our personal accounts at the Real Bo York is me, and at Ring That Bell is Bell. But if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podastery.com. That's P O D A S T E R Y.com. Hey, if you're looking for some other great, fun, additional content, Flash TV Talk now has a YouTube channel with our Flashcraft series. That's our Minecraft uh, kind of playthrough that we've been doing. If you uh, enjoy some Minecraft, want to see some cool DC Comics builds, and uh, enjoy the antics of one Matthew Bell and uh, myself as well, uh, head over there. Just look for Flash TV Talk on YouTube, and you will find us. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach, who provides music for our show. You can check out the rest of his awesome stuff at SoundCloud.com slash Charlie Bach. Also, great podcast at TVTalk.fm. What? There's no TV to talk about, you say? I say... Nay to you. Um, nay to you. <laughs> Because classic Flash, we are on Earth 90, baby, and don't worry, we'll be back in a flash.
Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, Flash Bo. And I'm Bell. And I just realized I said the hit CW show yep. again. Yep. That's okay. You know what? <laughs> All right, Mike, add this one to the end of the episode again. <laughs> Blast. <laughs>